for all y'all staying for class, too. That's all right. Hey, people usually run off when I speak. That's, that's great. Y'all stuck around. Uh, we're going to be continuing on with this thought. I think I've got myself all wired up right so I don't mess up uh, everybody on Facebook Live. And, and again, welcome everyone who happens to be online. Glad you're, you're with us. We've been doing, if this you just tuned in, uh, this is the fourth in a series just on, on trusting God completely. And the question we just keep asking ourselves is, you know, what difference would it make in my life if I trusted God completely for everything that goes on? So let's look. We're going to be looking in, the, in Romans here in a little bit. But uh, I think uh, and this text here is a little, uh, little tougher to deal with as we talk about this. Because one of the real tough questions that we have as Christians is if I'm a Christian and, and I really do want to do what's right, then why do I still struggle with sin in my life? And sometimes, you know how it is, some of those sins just keep grabbing on. It's like they won't, they won't let go. Why does that happen? And if another question is, if the Holy Spirit of God lives in me, which we believe He does, then how does this play out in my life as I find myself with having some very fleshly desires? And I'm still wanting to trust God, but I find myself having these fleshly desires. I'm going, what's going on here? So let's talk about this today as we talk about trusting God completely, but life in the Spirit. Monty Cox uh, is um, a professor at Harding University. He spent uh, several years as a missionary in Kenya, and um, now he teaches at Harding University. But he tells a story of sitting in a Bible class several years ago, and they were dealing with Romans chapter 7. Now, you know that passage. Now, we haven't taught on it. I hadn't been with y'all to teach you on it. But this is that section there where Paul says, you know, the good that I want to do, uh, I, I, I do not do what I want, but the very thing that I hate, I end up doing. You can put that up. Well, we're going to, in fact, I guess, tell you what. Let's read our text first. I fouled up our, our, our uh, uh, people up here. So let's go ahead and go to Romans chapter 8, where I want to be, 1 through 14. Don't want to mess up my PowerPoint people here and jumping around. Let's read this text, and then we're going to talk a little bit about um, Romans, the seventh chapter. All right, Romans 8. Here we go. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So that's us, walking according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. Some of those things we talk about struggling with sometimes. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. 
For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, and it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot, for those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of, the, of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And then verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, we read all that, and there's a lot in there. And we start asking the question, So then, why do I struggle with sin if I've got the Spirit of God in me? Why is that a problem there? So, I was telling the story about uh, Monty Cox, who had... Uh, he was sitting in a Bible class, and um, all right, there it is. Yeah, he was sitting in this Bible class, and 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 they were in Romans chapter seven, and and uh, they got to the point of where over Romans seven, where Paul says, you know, the very thing I do, what I don't to do, but then I end up doing the very thing that I hate, and the very thing that I hate I end up doing, and it's back and forth, you see that struggle, and the teacher, as he looked at this, seemed oblivious that there had probably been 1600 years of scholarly debate over what Paul meant by this and so the teacher reads that, about I do not do what I want, but the very thing that I hate I end up doing and he says, well, I just don't know what the problem is here. If I find myself sinning, I just stop and don't do it again. That's his answer. Now I'll tell you, either this guy was oblivious to his own sin, or he's a liar. Isn't that right? Because just about everybody out here, we struggle with sin in our life. But when he said that, I see myself sinning, I just stop and don't do it again. He says that, and a guy in the back of the room raised his hand. And he said, the guy in the back of the room says, Say, uh, I'm an alcoholic. And I've been a Christian for two years. Why do I still struggle with alcohol? And the teacher stood there a minute and said, there's dead silence in the class. Finally, the teacher says, well, Jim, I guess you just need to try harder. I think that answer probably did more harm than his previous comment that he made. And what's worse... What about the people in that class who did not raise their hand but wanted to? The bulimic mother. Or maybe the, the anorexic teenager. Or the fellow who's hooked on pornography and hates himself. 
or the one who's having sexual issues, both same-sex and opposite-sex issues, or maybe the cutter who secretly cuts herself, or maybe just that one who just can't forgive that individual. thought about this a lot, and I think, you know, in reality, I think we insinuate some things sometimes, and I've, I've been guilty of this, and still am sometimes. You got a sin problem? You're just not trying hard enough. Now, look, we're not the only people that do that. This is who we know, but we're not the only ones that do that. I was reading a, a, a comment from a fellow in a different uh, group from us, and and he said uh, his, his daughter had just returned from a, a youth devotional. And uh, he asked her, he said, well, how was the devotional? And she says, oh, Dad, you know, same old thing. God is good. I'm not. Try harder. And i got to ask the question, where in the world is the good news there? We talk about the good news of Jesus. Where in the world is the good news? Our text that we just read, notice what it says there in verse 13. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, looking at that verse, y'all see it up there. I guess it's up. Yeah, all right. Y'all see it up there. What is the source of power according to this verse right here? That's right. The Spirit. The Spirit is. Paul over in Galatians, look what he says in Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Once again, uh, uh, what's the source of power here? It's the Spirit. So my question runs into then, okay, I've got the Holy Spirit in me. How does this all work? How does the Holy Spirit help me? Now, before we go any further, I want to note something about these two verses here. Um, I like how the New American Standard translates this. I think it's a better way of seeing this. Look what it says there in Romans 8, 13. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You notice other translations say you put it to death. But the way the Greek reads there is it's a continual process. You are putting, you are putting it to death. It's not like, oh, we did it one time and it's over with. It's something that it's a continual process. And, and notice now, it's, it's not a finished deal. It's something that we are working on, and it, it works within. The Spirit is working within us. And now notice what's being put to death. Notice what's being put to death. It says what? The deeds of the body. He didn't say the desires of the body are put to death. And I think that's really important for us to understand, especially as we're trusting God to take care of everything in our life, and we're always wondering this question, well, how come I'm not always these desires over here? You know, again, Galatians 5, 16, let's look at it again. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Look, as long as we live on this earth, there will be desires of the flesh, okay? That's just going to be there. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. What did he desire to do? His flesh. He wanted to eat, didn't he? 
He desired to eat. But he didn't give in to Satan and do what Satan wanted him to do. Turn his, bread, his stones into bread. He still had that desire. It's not the desire that's the problem here. And that brings us back to the question, why do I still go ahead and give in? If I'm a Christian, why do sometimes I give in to the desires of the flesh? Do I need to just try harder? Is that the answer? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit plays a role in our fight. In fact, if I'm reading these verses right, He plays the major role in our fight against sinning. It says there, by the Spirit. To finish that story about the uh, alcoholic brother in the back of the room who raised his hand, eventually that alcoholic left the fellowship of the church and found his fellowship in AA. And guess what they teach at AA? It says, we believe in a power greater than ourselves can restore us. How about that? Guess what the Bible says? Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Where's the power going to come from? The Spirit. God's going to give it. That power, power, power. We know where it is. It's God. It's His Spirit. And then four verses later, look at a passage. This, this next verse ought to be what I call a refrigerator verse. You put it up there and put it on your refrigerator magnet. Set it up there so you can read it. Now to Him, speaking of God or Jesus both, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Those are powerful words right there according to the power at work within us. God can do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to what? The power that's at work within us. So what is that power? It's the Spirit of God. And as we talk about trusting God, sometimes we've got to, we just need to remind ourselves that God gave us His Spirit. And he can work in us. Now, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit didn't show up just on the day of Pentecost one day. The Holy Spirit's always been around. Remember in Genesis, the beginning, chapter 1? Look what it says there. In the beginning, by the way, it says God. That is plural in the Hebrew. God, plural, created the heavens and the earth. That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth. And look what it says there. Look at that last part. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Now why was the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the water? Why do you think he was doing that about this time? He's doing that because something big is about to happen. God is about to start working. And He starts forming and creating this world. Uh, Next time the Holy Spirit shows up in the Bible is over in Exodus 31, the building of the tabernacle. And Moses said to, uh, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, and the son of Ur, and the son of the tribe of Judah. And I have, look at this, I have filled him 
with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence and knowledge and all craftsmanship. Moses, later on, he needed help governing the people. You remember the story? Finally, Jethro comes to him and says, hey, this is not good. You need to get some more guys out there. And look what happens there in Numbers 11, verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, this is verse 17, I will come down and talk with you, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you, there's the spirit again, and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not have to bear it alone. The reason we're looking at this is to know that it's not just up to us. We need God. And when God was making big changes, it was His Spirit that was doing this. Joshua got ready to take over from Moses. What happens there? Look, Joshua 20, Numbers 27, 18. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hands on him. So then you go on through the judges, you go through the kings, King Saul, you get to Pentecost, you get to Nicodemus, and every one of these things, God's Spirit is changing people. From creating the world to changing hearts, God's Spirit is involved. And the Bible tells us something. The Bible says when we are baptized... God gives us His Holy Spirit to dwell in us. That's when it happens. It's in baptism we come up and that we touch the blood of Jesus. God's Spirit takes dwelling in our hearts. Why? Why does God's Spirit do that? Because something is about to change. And it's you. That Spirit is going to change you. And there are things in your life that are going to change. Why? Not because you try harder. Now, I'm not saying you don't do anything, obviously. You know what I'm talking about there. But it's the whole thing that God's Spirit is changing you. Look there in Acts 2.38. Very basic verses that we know. Peter said to repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Go over there a couple chapters later, chapter 5. We are witness to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. Several years ago, I had an elderly woman come to me. And she said, Michael, I want you to baptize me. Now, normally, that is just a time of great rejoicing, going, whoa, this is wonderful, God's working here. <clears throat> but I said, you've already been baptized. Why do you want to be baptized again? <clears throat> now, now, keep in mind something. I'm not a real fan of rebaptisms. I mean, the Bible says there's one baptism and it's good enough. It works now. Uh, I understand that. So, if a person wants to be baptized again, I, I want to know why. Why is it you feel like you need to be baptized? And she said something I will always remember. This problem, this one was probably 85 years old. She said, I was 16 years old when I was baptized. And I did it because I knew that's something I was supposed to do. But not one single thing changed in my life. I just kept living the same old way I had always lived. In other words, she just got wet. 
And she wanted the Holy Spirit to dwell in her life and to make a difference in her life. And I knew that lady. And it made a difference. I baptized her. And the rest of her life, there was a change. And I know why. Because the Holy Spirit changed her. So it brings us back to our original verses in our original dilemma. Romans 8, 13. Let's look at it again. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. Or Galatians 5, 16, if I say, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So exactly how does the Holy Spirit work in my life? How does He work in your life to put these things to death? Now, here's the, we've been talking about trusting God. And sometimes we look at tough passages and we just gotta we just have to believe it. God says it. We're gonna believe it whether we understand how it all works or not. And I'll ask that question one more time been asking for the last four lessons. What if I trusted completely in God's Spirit to work in me? We kind of changed the question a little bit here. Am I going to trust God's Spirit to work in me? Now, I want to tell you, I didn't say I'll always understand how He works. But I will trust His Spirit to work in me. Now think about this. Do you know anybody that knows the right thing to do but doesn't do it? You can point at yourself, isn't that right? Sometimes we we know the right thing. I shouldn't have gotten mad at that person that I did anyway. Or whatever it may be. I shouldn't think those thoughts I did anyway. Shouldn't have said those words I did anyway. We've all we've all fallen into that. Or maybe do you know someone who's discouraged with their lack of progress regarding sin in their life? What do you tell them? When they come to you and say, you know, I am, I am still struggling with this. What do I do? What do you tell them? Well, Jim, just try harder. So they try harder. And they still fail. And they finally come to the conclusion, I, I can't do this anymore. And they leave. And they're discouraged. And they're disheartened. Or, or maybe they don't leave. Maybe they don't leave church. They keep coming. But they're miserable. Because of the sin in their life. And they can't seem to get a handle on it. Their temper never gets any better. They gossip just as much. Hey, I just want a little side note here. Gossip destroys churches, okay? I've seen it. I remember one time a lady came to me and and the church was going through a little this place I used to work at one time and it's going through a tough time and Well Michael, I heard that and I said, wait a minute. I said, before we go any further, you need to tell me where you heard this from. Oh, well I can't do that. I betrayed confidence. I said it's now gossip. We've now, I'm not going to allow you to gossip 
because it's a terrible sin. Now, if you want to tell me where this came from, because I was, hearing, I was hearing the same story, but nobody would ever say where it's coming from. And it's just repeating gossip. And it wasn't true, but that's a lie. That's a whole different ballgame. It's just repeating those things. And so, you know, so gossip that sometimes we just let that, I heard this, we let it go. But then there are tender hearts that know it's not right, and yet sometimes they, you know, got that juicy story, we repeat it, and they think, or maybe. The temper doesn't get any better. The gossip doesn't get any better. The sexual problems continue. The mouth still says some old foul word that they should not be saying. Of course, let me throw this in here. As one guy said, well, you just need to rely on the Holy Spirit of God to help you. And so they walk away and still struggle and think, I just need to try harder. I need to try harder to rely on the Spirit. Well, that doesn't always answer the question either. Then, and so you're back in the same boat. So what is, what's the answer? I think these are real things that people deal with. If we're going to trust God completely, how does this all work? What's the answer? I don't have them all, okay? I'm going to throw some things out here that I think are some answers. First of all, this goes to what the very basic thing of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, number one, you've got to believe. You just have to believe. Believe what the Word says there. And if believe that God's Spirit really does dwell in you. And you think, oh man, but I've sinned. That's okay, God's... Believe when, when Jesus says, I continually wash away that sin. God's Spirit does dwell in you. Believe that God's Spirit will help you. I'd like to say tomorrow you'll never have that problem again, but that's not how it's worked in my life. There have been things I had struggled with for years before it ever got resolved. And there are still things I struggle with. But I believe, and we've got to believe that God's Spirit will help us. And the reason I emphasize this is that too many people really don't believe that God can change their situation. Oh, Michael, you don't know how my life's been. Oh, you just don't. You don't know how reality is out in the oil patch. Well, I did work the oil patch. Yeah, I know how it is. But even if I didn't work the oil patch, I still know the reality of God. And, and He can. We've got to believe that He can make that difference. So your first step is you just got to believe it. Second of all, Remember something. God's Word and God's Spirit work together. You really can't separate these two. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 6.17, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So if God's Spirit is working in you and His sword is working in you and cutting away some of that flesh... He, guess where the, what's the sword? It's the Word of God. God's Spirit's got to have something to work on. I don't know how you are in your uh, private Bible reading, devotional time. I, later on in life, I, I've gotten where we tend to do this, wake up earlier. I don't know if y'all do or not, but I've gotten where I'll just wake up really early in the morning. So for me, it's early, early, early in the mornings. And uh, I just get off my favorite chair and just read the Word. I don't read comments. I don't read. In fact, I, I used to write in my Bible. I don't even do that anymore. I've got my Bible because I found myself reading my notes rather than 
paying attention to what the Word says, and just letting the Word of God dwell and think about those words. I told you all last week, you know, uh, especially those times when I, uh, I lost my first wife, and the hard, terrible time of life, just tough things to go through, but I just kept reading the Psalms. And sometimes I could only read four or five of them, and I just laid the Bible down and just think about it. You've got to have the Word of God daily in your life. If you're not doing that, it's today. You've got to start. you just got to. I don't care whether it's a lot of reading or a little bit. You've got to have God's Word in there. Uh, you know, what kind of soldier... You know, the, the, the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. So what kind of soldier goes into battle without his, without his weapon? You've got to face the devil. He's out there. You've got to have the Word in, in your heart. And so sometimes people say, well, what's more important, the Holy Spirit or the Word of God? And the answer is both. You need both. I've known people that knew the Word of God front and back. They could quote the Scriptures back and forth, but the Spirit of God just really wasn't in their life. Because I'd be with them out in the world, and they, their tempers would flare. They did all kinds of things that were just not godly. But boy, they could tell you exactly what the Bible had to say about things. So both. You've got the Spirit of God and the Word of God. You know, a loaf of bread. What's more important, the flour or the water? Well, <laughs> both. You've got to have both to have that bread. You can't separate them. Hebrews 4.12. And this verse has just become more and more dear to me. When it says, the Word of God is living and active. I'm telling you, you read God's Word, it's living and active. It will make a difference in your life. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit the joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God, you've got to have. It, you, it's got to be part of your life. And that's what the Spirit uses to make a difference in our life. And you can just see the Spirit of working on your heart, just using that sword, and He's cutting away some of the things of life that have been bothering you. And then I think the third thing, and again, I don't have all the answers on all of this, but the third thing I've seen is the Spirit can work through others to help you. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know, and by the way, here if, you, if anybody here still reads the King James, it says, Do ye not know that ye are God's temple? That's plural. That is plural. Uh, I think the NIV says you yourselves to let you know. He's not talking about individually here. You, your, the, the church, is God, this passage here is talking plural. The church is God's temple. Get on chapter 6, it's talking individuals then, about being God's temple. Right here, you, ye, you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. We're real big on this individual thing about God's spirit dwelling in us. But this passage is teaching right here in chapter 3 that the church is also God's temple. We need each other. And as we are all part of God's temple, other people can help us through this. You know, you may be a person who fights porn. Ah, 
Maybe you need another brother to check on the history on your computer or your phone, or maybe your wife or, or somebody there. It's kids, because we don't have the kids in here, but the parents or whatever just saying, hey, you got permission to check my phone all the time. Gossip. Maybe a real problem with that. You need someone to call you out on that. That's what the church is for, saying, look, that's not right. You can't be doing that. And that's the Spirit working through other people. You might need some more extensive help from others. Maybe there are things in your past. Maybe you've, you've had to suffer through some things that have just really messed you up. Let's face it, that happens sometimes. Maybe things happen to you that should never have happened, and yet it did. Maybe you need some trained help, but you've got people within the church who can maybe help guide you in that way. Maybe you're any number of things that's going on there. God can work through other people to help us. And then fourth of all, we need to make intentional decisions to allow God's Spirit to work in you. It's one thing to be here at church on Sunday morning. We have a nice class. Everybody talks about, well, that was good. And we talked about, yeah, that's a good lesson. We, we're going to trust God, and then we walk out the door. We've got to decide when to walk out the door. God, I'm going to let your Spirit work in my life. The uh, Bible has other passages. It talks about don't grieve the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. I can't remember on this PowerPoint. Do I have a picture of a pipeline on there? I'll throw it up there. You know, you, I, look at, I, I look at the Spirit of God. It's like this huge pipeline coming down from heaven. And it's coming right down into our heart. And then we got a valve right there at the heart. And we can turn it on or off. We've got this huge amount of Spirit coming. And when he says, don't quench the Spirit, we have the ability to quench it or to allow all of God's Spirit to work with us. These are intentional decisions that we make. And when we're tempted at the store and somebody there just doesn't take care of business like they should, and you really want to just let them have a piece of your mind, you can say, God, I need your spirit. I need you to work in my life. And when there's that temptation there, God, I need your spirit. And we can, just as we can uh, intentionally close off the spirit, we can intentionally open up that spirit to help us in our weakness. And so I've got to ask the question one more time. Will I trust God's spirit to change me? If I trust myself, it just doesn't work. I'm 65 years old, and I hadn't learned a lot, but I'm starting to learn that I just really can't fix things like we talked about in the earlier lesson. I just need God to change things. I want to be willing to let Him mold me and make me, but if I can't do it myself. You see, the good news of Jesus is not try harder. And I think a lot of us have kind of grown up that way. You know, try harder, you can be a better Christian. Think about it. Think about this. Every day you wake up knowing I'm not good enough. And that's true. None of us are good enough for God. So every day you wake up thinking I'm not good enough. I need to try harder. At the end of the day, guess what? We're still not good enough. And we've got to try harder the next day. Let me tell you some good news. Here's the good news. Jesus said, 
Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and burdened and tired and discouraged. Come to me, and I will give you rest. We believe. We believe the Bible says the Holy Spirit will work on you. And I think it's time that we start letting God's Spirit change us. And that journey can begin today. I want to thank you all for letting me come and just be with you. And I hope, I hope this next year, I don't know if I'll see you all again anytime soon or who knows what the Lord has in store. But I hope this next year, each one of you here makes the commitment to trust God completely for everything that happens in your life and all of next year. Start it now. Especially make Thanksgiving a time of not only just thanking God for the fellowship and the food, but thanking God that He's going to be with you for that year and see what difference it makes in your life and in the life of this church. Thanks for letting me be here.